2: Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, Dynasty. I am your host, Heath Cummings, and the band is back together again. I believe this combination of Heath, Dave, and Dan may be the most common combination for Fantasy Football Today, Dynasty. Welcome back, Dave.
3: Thank you. It's great to be here, and I'm always happy to participate in a mock draft, and that's what we're going to do today, right?
2: We, we have right now uh, just getting started a super flex rookie only mock draft. It's our first rookie only mock draft of rookie mock season. It certainly will not be our last. Dan, you are on the clock with the third pick overall. Yep. We'll talk about who Dave and I took at one and
4: two, but uh, it's it's been a while since I think the last time I talked to you was a mock draft with Jamie actually. It was, it was, and it's been the fun time of the year. We're getting to the combine, which is this week. By the weekend, we're going to have some time, some athleticism testing for basically RAS scores for across the board for all of these prospects. Well, not all of them. Marvin Harrison won't be there, and a few other big names won't be, but... I'm excited to just get all into this all in. And right now, this rookie mock draft that we're going on, that's going on is, is interesting to me because it's super flex and in a non-super flex, I have a very defined strategy for this year's rookies. I really believe wholeheartedly, this is the time last year, you know, I discussed a lot on this pod, Heath, how I wanted to lean into the strength of the class. And that was with the tight ends. It landed me guys like Laporta, Musgrave, some guys I'm very excited about for next year. And this year it's wide receivers, and I love this wide receiver class. It's unlike any other I've been. And you know, I don't really value running backs in dynasty, so it's a perfect year for me because there aren't really many running backs to get too excited about. So I do want to lean heavy on, on receivers, but in this type of mock draft, it's super flex, and you have to factor that in. So with the top three pick here, I will be taking one of the quarterbacks, I believe, isn't it? It's is in the tier one here, and one of the big three, and that's Drake May. I actually have Drake May over Jaden Daniels as an NFL prospect but Jaden daniels to me is a fantasy prospect i might have even taken him over caleb williams because i love his rushing upside so it, i'll go may here uh with the third pick overall dan spilling the beans on the third pick in the mock draft
2: before we talk about the first and second <laughs> we are off to a
4: fantastic <laughs> well, start. look it's on the screen everyone
2: dave, can see it <laughs> i he put it on the screen because you said it dave okay. i i started the draft <laughs> off with the first pick i i actually just you, you know we're doing this in a google sheet there's no random button here to push. And so I just went in order of the people who said, yes, you said yes. Second, I said yes. First, Dan said yes. Third, I took Caleb Williams at one Oh one. Um, that's who everybody has at one Oh one. Do you think that there's anything that could happen in the next two months that changes that, or are we just certain this is the guy? And then I'm going to follow up question on that is one of the, one of the questions we got in the mailbag a couple weeks ago where the guy had an opportunity to trade 101 for Justin Herbert. And so would you compare Caleb Williams to Justin Herbert in terms of how you're valuing those guys?
3: A lot of questions. Um, two. <laughs> I, I think I probably – I I know we're so nervous about Justin Herbert now that – Jim Harbaugh's there, will be there for the next few years, and we know that Harbaugh's track record has been to lean into the run game. The fact that he's got Greg Roman as his offensive coordinator, we talked about it on the regular FFT podcast. And so that combined with the fact that Justin Herbert's a little bit older than Caleb Williams and Williams – Certainly a a rushing type of quarterback, not necessarily as bombastic as Jaden Daniels. I I think that you can make the case that Caleb Williams is worth it, especially if it's in a one QB league and a super flex league. You might get a little bit nervous about going with the rookie first and foremost. I think it really depends on what other quarterbacks you have on whether you give up Justin Herbert straight up for the 101. As for what could happen in the next, what is it now, two and a half months? that could take Caleb Williams out of the 101. you, you know, they're going to nitpick all the prospects and anything that's bad about them is going to come out. And I, I honestly, I don't think that there's really a big deal about Caleb Williams' style or Caleb Williams' fingernails or Caleb Williams and his parents. So I don't think any of that stuff that we've already seen is going to be anything that's going to deter NFL teams from taking him. I think the one thing that could deter fantasy managers from taking him is if he ends up with a squad that trades up with Chicago and doesn't have a great receiving core. New England goes all in, and they take Caleb Williams. I think fantasy managers would lean into Jaden Daniels in that case, who I have ranked out of Caleb Williams, for fantasy, and maybe even for the NFL too, just because of his playmaking ability. His rushing ability is better than Caleb Williams. He had a better arm last year than Caleb Williams. I think he might be more down to earth, too, and that might make him maybe just a little bit easier for coaches to deal with. So it, to me, when it comes down to the top quarterback in this draft, it's going to be beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But I think Jane Daniels is worthy of being that one one. That's who I would have taken. But what could happen to Caleb Williams? Something bad comes out. It pushes him down. Teams go in a different direction, whether it's my direction of Jane Daniels or what it sounds like is Dan's direction. In Drake may.
2: So I, I think that like we see here, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake may the first three picks, Dan, um, you mentioned it. It's a spectacular wide receiver group um, starting at the top. And now some people may disagree, but starting at the top with Marvin Harrison, um, there are people who are in super flex leagues who have two or three very good quarterbacks already. Um, how, how many of these quarterbacks between Williams, Daniels, and may would you be willing to take Harrison over them if you were in that situation? If if you were pretty much locked in at quarterbacks, let's say you had three of the top 20, two of your top 12,
4: you felt good about that position. Um, how many of these guys would you take Harrison over? I think it's interesting because there's two schools of thought, Heath. The thought, one thought is, how do I improve my team? The, the fastest, the other thought is how do I improve my team? The fast or the the best long-term, because if you're thinking long-term, there is a case to be made that by drafting the quarterback, you're not drafting for having him as a starter on your team or having him leapfrog another quarterback, though he may. And you give yourself that option with this scenario, but you're also drafting for just the overall value of if that quarterback develops and hits and becomes the player he is, he's going to have more super flex value than Marvin Harrison or any of these receivers. That's just how super flex works. There's a desperation for quarterbacks. You can look around the NFL. There's not a lot of good quarterbacks. Same goes for fantasy. There's been this year was a little bit of a rebound. We had some some decent QB2 range performances throughout the year. But overall, the asset to me is worth way more at quarterback. So I'm thinking it depends how I'm thinking about it. If I'm in my win now window, Heath, then I'm going to take him over for sure the third quarterback, because specifically if that quarterback is does land, end on the Patriots. And that's going to be a big factor for me. And I know most people have their rookie drafts Heath after the draft. Some people do before, but most after, and so you'll see landing spots because if the Patriots trade that pick, and let's say it's to the Falcons, isn't that worth a lot more now to you, whatever quarterback that may be than if it's the Patriots making that pick at three overall, I know it would be for me for sure. If I can get in Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robson versus whatever the Patriots have to offer. So I think it just depends a lot on the landing spot, but I'd definitely be willing to consider and to strongly consider him over the third quarterback over Daniels and Williams, or if it's may drafted to, you know, the the, the Washington commanders or something like that. That's when it starts to get a little tricky for me. Cause I just do believe in the long-term value of a quarterback asset and superflex. It, it does. And, and we
2: see it all the time. Like there are people who load up their team and startups with quarterbacks and superflex, um, and then are able to trade those guys, Um, for for great assets later on. Now, I don't often see those same teams competitive. Mm. It seems like the people who say, I don't care about what I need right now. I just want to have quarterbacks because they're so valuable end up just holding those quarterbacks for other people and losing games. So there's definitely a a two parts to that, Dave. Now, we've we've gotten out of the quarterback section, Dave. Marvin Harrison goes with pick four. Malik Neighbors goes with pick five. Roma Dunze pick six. I've seen some argument on Twitter about Harrison versus Neighbors and how they're clearly in the top tier, and then there's another tier after them. And then I've seen some argument that has Harrison in his own tier, and it's Neighbors versus Adunze, and, and who's number two. But those guys are clearly in the same tier. How do you view these top three wide receivers?
3: I, in the order that they were drafted and it's Marvin Harrison first, then Malik Neighbors second, and then Roma, Adunze third. Uh, I haven't written up and analyzed all three of them yet, so I may take something back that I say here, but I've watched enough of Harrison to know that he can do anything that you ask him to. Uh, Just silky smooth route runner, great speed, good size, and on top of that, you know he's got the pedigree of an NFL Hall of Fame wide receiver in his dad, Marvin Harrison. Maybe he ends up being better than his dad, Marvin Harrison. So I think that there's just... I I love Malik neighbors too. And I've seen enough of him to know like the basics of his game. I think he's a great route runner. I like his size. I like his speed. That's what puts him ahead of a dunze for me. But I I feel like just that pedigree that Marvin Harrison has. And and how many times have we seen uh, the son of an NFL player come into the league and play great Christian McCaffrey, just an example off the top of my head, his dad, Ed McCaffrey, Great wide receiver, not necessarily a Hall of Fame type guy, but Christian McCaffrey is just an unbelievable player. There's dozens of that littered throughout NFL history where a second-generation player comes in and does really well. So I'm going to give Harrison that nod. Neighbors second, Adunze third.
2: Let's take a short break here, Dan, and then I want to see if you can kind of tell us like, in terms of tiers, because I, I agree with that order for now as well, who, which guy is closer to which.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, Dan, we're
2: back. So I thought Dave did a great job of breaking down these three wide receivers. Would you Do
4: you rank them in the same order, and would you put neighbors closer to Harrison or Adunze? I do rank them in the same order, and for me, neighbors would be closer to Harrison than Dunsay. But t- it's not that much of a drop off for for neighbors to a Dunsay. They're just very different types of prospects. Neighbors to me, what he does so well is just that explosiveness in and out of his breaks. It's so natural, it's so fluid. The way he can break down and get in and out, it's just going to set up so many good double moves at the second level, at, at the next level, of the NFL. He reminds me when I watch him, like since I watch a lot of tape of a former player who wore the same jersey, it's very hard for me not to see what number three Otto Beckham Jr was at LSU because it looks very similar to what neighbors does when it comes to getting in and out of the breaks on the vertical plane, the double moves he sets up. Now, the one thing I will say about neighbors that's not concerns me because this happens at the NFL level too, but a lot of his production did come out of the slot and on a lot of these slot verts, these slot fades, and things things that yeah. nature that do seem to have a little bit more space to work with at the college level, and that's just the nature of the game. The college game is different than the NFL game. I say this all the time when I'm talking about projection to the next level. The way they – with the rules and the hash marks, it just allows for so much space sometimes on one side of the field, and it just gives you a lot more to work with. But with that said, you can watch him get in and out of his breaks and just know he's a natural fluid athlete. At Dunze is the classic – X receiver like you're going to play him on the outside all the time he's going to be a threat in the red zone and I think he has better speed than people realize and better breakaway ability than people realize and as far as Harrison goes to me he's the complete package Dave broke it down well one final thing I want to say about Harrison that just always stood out to me I saw an interview a year ago with him and his father and they asked uh they asked his father what he would take away from from Marvin Harrison Jr.'s game. And he's like, quite quite frankly, just the height because it gives him such a different catch radius and a much better catch rate. He said, What would you add to your son's game? And he's like, I can't think of anything, but the one thing I would add is he needs to come he needs to ask for the ball more and he needs to complain about getting the ball more and getting more targets. And like that just went to show me like he's not gonna be a diva wide receiver at the next level. You're never gonna have to worry about that. He's gonna be the the, the perfect leader in that. I just think he's gonna fit in right away. So it's the same order for me, and I think they're both in in that tier. But I'll be honest with you, we'll get to some of these guys next, Heath, because we're going to talk about it. There's a lot of wide receivers after them that are really, really good, and and maybe tier 1B, I'll, I'd call them. Dave,
2: we get the first three picks are quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May. The next three picks are wide receivers, Marvin Harrison, Malik, neighbor, Malik Neighbors, Roma Denze. Then we finally get somebody that's not a quarterback or a wide receiver. And I think pick five, pick six, pick seven, pick eight is where you're generally going to see this, guys. It's it's Brock Bowers. I was going to do the Brock Lesnar voice. Uh, Brock Bowers, the absolute beast out of Georgia. You know, I'm always a little bit skeptical about drafting tight ends in the first round of rookie drafts. And if you look at the history of tight ends who have been drafted in the first round of NFL drafts, there's reason to be a, a bit skeptical of him living up to that hype as well, um, yep. h- how much have you seen from Bowers and is this the point where you're comfortable taking him or is there, are there some other skill position players you'd rather draft first?
3: I haven't seen enough to speak into the detail of, of what he can do, but he was such a, a differentiator in George's offense in, in the snippets of snaps I've seen him play. He's he's big physical. He can run. Uh, you can ask him to do things that a wide receiver does, and you can ask him to do things that tight ends can do. It's funny, there's this picture floating around social media of him next to Gronk. Oh, Gronk he looks tiny. Just dwarfs him. Yeah. <laughs> Gronk just dwarfs him. It's unbelievable. But when you watch Bowers play, you think about some of what Gronk can do. Not necessarily as good as Gronk. There's no way I'm making that comparison. But I, I think that Bowers is worthy of being picked here, assuming that he does go to a team that's gonna feature him the right way. Like I know that he's been he's been mocked to the chargers a bunch. I don't think I'd like that. I don't think that would be great for him. I don't think he'd get great stats there, but if you go on down the line, there are some other teams that are picking in the top 10, where if he goes, you can imagine him being a big time impact player along the lines of Laporta and Detroit.
2: Yeah, it's, um, I, and I think back like last year, it's easy to say, and, and Dan hit on it um, feels really good about the fact that he drafted Laporta so much. Well, the, the guy who was being drafted in the first round was Dalton Kincaid And he had a good second half to the season. Um, I'm not sure that he necessarily gained all that much value. And it's going to be interesting to see where he goes next year. Dan, we look at the picks after Bowers. There's there's a pair of wide receivers, Troy Franklin, Xavier Worthy. Um, I would put Franklin ahead of Bowers on my list. He's a guy I'm pretty excited about. But are these your number four and number five wide receivers? And, And do you have a strong take about either one?
4: No, these are actually not my number four or number five wide receivers. Not that I don't like them. And I think they're both similar mold type of wide receivers, and that's fine. But for me, I think there's actually some potential X wide receivers and true number ones uh, that would be my four and five. And they they were drafted a little bit after these two.
2: We finished the first round up with the first running back, Braylon Allen and Brian Thomas as a, yet another wide receiver. So round one, Dave goes Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, then Marvin Harrison, Malik Navers, Rome Wadunze, Brock Bowers, Troy Franklin, Xavier Worthy, J.J. McCarthy, Braylon Allen, and Brian Thomas. There's been a lot of steam on J.J. McCarthy turning into a a first-round pick in the NFL draft. And and assuming that he is, then I think this is right. He probably deserves to be a first-round pick in a super flex draft. What I find more interesting, and when I put together my rankings right now, I put it together more in a position of, here's where RB1 is. Because we have no idea who RB one is, because we won't until the draft. But I see a lot of pre-draft rankings, especially in Superflex, that don't have a running back in the top twelve, which makes sense to me right now without knowing landing spots. But if Blake Corum is the first running back taken and he goes to the Chargers, or if Braylon Allen is the first running back taken and he goes to a good situation, we're certainly going to get a running back or two in the first round of rookie drafts, right?
3: I think so. But I think it's going to be toward the back of round one. And it's not something that we're necessarily used to, but as Dan talked about, this is a crop of prospects that doesn't have a breakaway running back megastar. We don't have forget about a Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs. I don't know if we've got a Najee Harris in this group. And I remember when Harris came out, it wasn't a sure thing that he was going to be a first round pick. It was the Steelers that made it that way. Mm So I I do see a a lot of running backs, but I feel like they're, again, a position that I really haven't done a lot of digging into. I don't know how many complete running backs there are. Right. Three down guys. And so if that's the case and there really aren't any three down guys, we're looking at a bunch of guys that are going to be one A's or one B's. And that doesn't mean that they're going to be terrible for fantasy, but it might mean that they don't carry the steam with them that the elite wide, the elite running backs rather that we've seen before
0: Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast.
1: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology,
2: Dan, do you have a favorite running back other than Braylon Allen? Because I know he has to be your favorite
4: because of no, he played. it's actually not Braylon Allen. That's the funny <laughs> thing, too. Like, I'm usually very high on Wisconsin players, not all, but I'm high on most. And I think the fact that Braylon Allen is even in discussion as RB1 in this class says everything you need to know about this RB class because it's not I'm trying to knock Braylon Allen. He has some interesting parts of his game. He's a patient runner. He's more. He has better tempoing and pace than you would think for a guy his size. And he does have the size, speed. Uh, height, you know, height, speed, size combo. You kind of look for sometimes, or it used to be more coveted when you were evaluating prospects. But to me, he's nowhere close to what I would consider an RB1 type prospect and nothing like a Jonathan Taylor type prospect. So for me, it would be Jonathan Brooks. It was the it was the first running back you took, Keith. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that requires some projection. Um, and I think the one I like the most on film is, and I never know how to pronounce his name from Notre Dame, Estime. But I don't know, like, and this goes back to what Dave said. Like, I don't know... How many of these are are definitely three down backs? And even if they are, I don't know how many are going to be big time receivers in the passing game while also being you know first and second down runners and goal line red zone guys. So I, to me, I don't think there's a single running back I would take in the top twelve.
2: I I think that there is a little bit of I mean it's so difficult because we've had this whole running back doesn't matter thing. To that extent, it also doesn't matter if there's not quite an RB one in this class. If somebody is going to get drafted as the RB1 in this class, like that guy is going to go get a job and touch the ball. Maybe it's only 250 times, but he's going to be 22 years old with 250 touches. And so he's going to be a top 20 dynasty running back, even if he's not as talented, because we've got a whole crop of talented 27 and 28 and 29 and 30 year olds that are completely falling off the table in the next couple of years. That's a great point. And this idea that because we don't have a true three down back, we don't have somebody who's going to matter for fantasy. We've got like seven three down backs left in the NFL. I, um, like we're going to ha- we're going to have guys. I'm we gonna, got Devon Achan and, and all these guys are going to be touching the ball 12 to 14
4: times a game.
2: And we're going to be drafting them in round two. of I, redraft
4: leagues. I guess my pushback to that, Heath, I think that's a good argument. And there's a good case. My pushback to that is in redraft. I like that argument a lot or in like a keeper league, a one to two year in dynasty. I don't know how much long-term staying power these guys will have as as guys that you, you can trust in fantasy, especially if, you know, yes, there are going to be a ton of openings and that's a great point, but also we don't know how many of these are going to be turned into, you know, workhorse type openings or even you know, the next tier down from a workhorse. We could be seeing a lot, a lot of teams going towards, a, you know, running back by committee For like sure. to move forward. And then it takes away their dynasty value, their long-term dynasty value of these players. So that's, I have a lot of question marks on, and on if these guys have any kind of long-term dynasty value or, and that's not to say like, I wouldn't take any of these guys in the first round of a super flex in a different class, but in a class this loaded at wide receiver and with four potential quarterbacks that need to go off the board in the first round of Superflex, to me, and a tight end, to me, it's like, I don't even see any scenario personally where I'd be taking a running back round one.
2: I think there's a lot of people that view it the same way that you do. I just think that when the running back position as a whole gets pushed down as it has, um, we're still still starting two guys on every there's still 24 guys are going to start in every league. Um, So, like, there, there's still going to be someone who's good. Now I'm going to have to make another pick. Um, <laughs> let's start. Let's talk about the start of the third round, Dave, because we are are certainly past the point to where we don't have any bones to pick with any of these guys. They've all got warts. I took Jonathan Brooks, um, talented running back out of Texas, who did tear his ACL last year and may not be 100%, but I think he's, <laughs> from what I've seen so far, the best running back in this class. You took Keon Coleman um Dan took Adnai Mitchell which a whole bunch like the the range of upside and floor with that pick alone we could spend yeah. half a podcast on and then uh I, Lad McConkey goes at pick number 4 any thoughts on those four guys Dave
3: I saw McConkey at the Senior Bowl fantastic route runner a little bit underwhelming in terms of size and when they practiced and used man coverage and pressed him, uh, I think he had a little bit of a harder time separating in those cases. But I I he's, he's got potential to be better than your average slot wide receiver because of his great route running. Maybe his ceiling is what Julian Edelman, West Welker, you know, those types of wide receivers that just kind of dominate in the slot. Can he do can he line up everywhere like Jacoby Myers? Yes, he could do that too. So kind of in that same breed, although Myers is bigger than he is. Um, I, I get what he can do and what well, like what his upside is in full PPR. That makes him maybe a little bit more appealing than who I took, which is Keon Coleman, who I saw play as that big time perimeter rangey outside receiver. I'm not sure if that's who Dan was talking about when he mentioned the types of wide receivers that he saw as as far as his favorites in this draft. But big physical guy, athlete, former basketball player, you can go up there and just dominate in the red zone, pick up a bunch of big plays. Uh, I, I like Keon Coleman for that reason, figuring that he's got a little bit more upside than McConkie has.
2: Dan, it's Dave's on the clock now, so we'll let him pick. But I I do want to talk about that the the archetype in, in terms of wide receiver yeah. because we've got some guys, um, some burners who are maybe too light. Um, which is what we used to say. But that, that the past couple of years hasn't mattered near as much. And we've got some guys like you seem to be drafting the tallest wide receivers you can find. Okay. Um, and those have been the guys who have busted a lot lately. And the so one, do, you, do yep. you think that this class has some some more bust proof bigger guys? Or are you not as concerned with the trend we've seen in size over the last couple of years?
4: I think it depends on the player and you got to really take it the time to watch the film and see if they can do certain things. Cause there's the big guys that bust that can't separate like the, like the hair. I'm trying to think of forgetting his name, the Patriots receiver, Keneal. uh, Yeah. And then there's also the, you can find gold in this range of them, like a DK Metcalf who fell on a lot of rookie mocks after that three cone drill, but has that ability. So if they have that ability, in my opinion, to get in and out of their breaks and to separate and to show a little bit more after the catch, that's the ones that separate against man. I should say, those are the ones that stand out to me. To me, it's Brian Thomas and Adani Mitchell. Um, I don't know how, if I'm pronouncing Adani Mitchell's name. Right. Um, you, I think you had to Is that how, is that uh, how it is? I, uh,
2: I think, you know, we could go with AD. AD yeah. Mitchell.
4: And I may be worse than you, which is quite amazing, but I'll go AD Mitchell and we'll go with Brian Thomas. To me, actually I would take Mitchell over uh, his teammate worthy to me. When I watch them, I just see so much more fantasy upside, both of them. Brian Thomas and Mitchell are just very smooth movers for guys who are 6'4". And I'm just looking for those types of difference-making at- athletes. Now, I like Kean Coleman more than the consensus. I'm with Dave on that. But I will say this. The, the, I've watched a little bit of Coleman. And the one thing, he's the type that might scare me a little more. Like, can he separate from man at the next level? But the other two, I don't feel that way with. So, yeah, I'm taking the upside there. And I know I might lose out on a little bit of a floor there. Um, but sometimes, you know, these types of receivers like the Franklins and the Worthies. You end up getting a Marquise Brown where it's like it looked really good at the college level, and the speed is definitely there. But at the from a fantasy standpoint, there's not, the production is hard to count on.
2: Dave, we look at the next four picks from round two. We started off round two with Jonathan Brooks, Keon Coleman, Ad Mitchell, Lad McConkey, Blake Corum goes with the fifth pick of round two. This is the guy who when I unveiled my first. Uh, Top twelve for rookie drafts. I, I put Blake Corum in the RB one placeholder spot just because the shortest, easiest explanation is the Chargers take him in round two and give him the ball three hundred times next year. <laughs> um, but whoever RB one is will be in that spot. Corum goes there at the fifth pick. We got another quarterback. Michael Penix goes with the sixth pick. Trey Benson and then Jatavian Sanders are second tight end. So two running backs, a quarterback, and a tight end goes in this range. Is it we get to mid round two and you just start throwing darts at these running backs and hope one of them gives you production?
3: I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking when I was up in my pick in round three is that I'm just hoping to get a, a running back that's got a decent pedigree, has some good traits and potentially could be a lead back. And that's what's nice about Corm and Benson. I think they both have the potential to be a lead back with whatever team gets them, whether they're lucky enough to be on the Chargers or anywhere else that they go. There's going to be a plenty of uh, opportunities around. I do like corn better than Benson. I think Penix is the one who's an interesting pick because we know that if, if he's playing seven on seven, he's awesome. Just a fantastic thrower, but you know about the injury history, you know, that he's an older prospect deep ball accuracy isn't necessarily his forte, but if he lands in the right spot and he gets a chance to be the starter for a team at some point in 2024, Listen, this is super flex dynasty gold. If he can last a long time, if he can play behind a good offensive line, he will be an outstanding NFL quarterback if he gets the chance.
2: What do you think about Jatavian Sanders, Dan? Is this a one tight end class or does Sanders have some upside also?
4: this was part of when I looked into last year, when I was very aggressive drafting the tight ends, it wasn't just because I thought the class was so strong last year, even going down to guys like Musgrave and craft. It was that I looked ahead and early on after Bowers, I didn't see anything. I totally loved. He would, he, I guess um, I'm not fully through the tight ends, but he probably wouldn't even be my tight end doing this class. Um, so I, but it's, it's not to say he's not a good player. It's just to say that I'm not very excited about the tight ends after Bowers. So for me, I still think there's so much talent to receiver position. Even after this pick, right now, I'm looking at guys on the board that I wish I could have taken. So I just think I always go for BPA and superflex rookie mock drafts. I tend to not draft for position. That's just my strategy, similar to how some NFL teams will do it. So for me, it's it's probably it would probably take into round four for me, or maybe you know even deeper to start to end the back end of round four to maybe consider a second tight end.
2: Okay, Dave, let's take a look at the last three picks of round two. Last four, I guess. Will Shipley, Bucky Irving, another quarterback, Bo Nix. And mm. and this is a guy who we've seen a little bit of esteem on going earlier mm. than people think. And then J- Jalen Polk. Um, do you do you think there's any, any hope at all that Bo Nix is going to matter in the NFL?
3: Of course there's hope. If he goes to the right team and he plays in the right type of offense where they don't ask him to play superhero, I, I think there's a chance. But... The fact that he's got this reputation of being a short area passer, the fact that he's an older prospect, um, the fact that he wasn't even, I don't believe, the second best quarterback at the Senior Bowl. Kind of makes me nervous about Bo Nix actually being great, but here are the hurdles. Number one, he's got to be a starter for an NFL team in order for fantasy managers to be excited about. Him. Number two, he's got to be productive. I think he can get past the first hurdle. I think Bo Nix will eventually have his chance, but can he be productive? Can he put up big numbers? Maybe if he's the quarterback in an offense like San Francisco's, where he's just got a great supporting cast, a really good offense that he could fit into, that's the type of situation where he might be able to get you 21 fantasy points per game. Short of that, I, I kind of feel like this could have been a wasted pick, but it is super flex. You've got to take chances on quarterbacks. This is one of those guys you could have taken a chance on. I think I would have preferred Spencer Rattler, to be perfectly honest with you, but it's it's a close call between those two. And they they both have the same hurdles. They've got to get on the field first, and then they've got to be productive. And they're both older prospects. It feels like they've been in college football for 10 years.
2: Okay, Dan, I'm I'm hoping that Matt's throwing some shade at you here, but he has a fun trivia about AD Mitchell. He only has 3 collegiate games over 100 yards. Only 5 wide receivers have been drafted in the first 2 rounds since 2014 that have 3 or fewer.
4: <sighs> this is a tough trivia. I wish I <sighs> Hmm. 3 receivers. I'm trying to think of like oh, wow. flash in the pan, athletic receivers who br- who blew up the combine. Dave, well, before
2: we get the answer to this question, do you think that these are going to be good NFL wide receivers <laughs> or bad NFL
3: wide receivers? I'm gonna. Well, hold on. They were taken in the first or second round. Uh huh. And they had at least one of them is probably going to be a first round pick. I would. I, I'll guess that one of them is good, and the other two are not.
2: All right, you can go ahead and give us the answer, Matt, because we're clearly not going to get it on our own. Let's uh, recap round two one last time just so I can have a chance to say these names wrong. But we've got Jonathan Brooks, Keon Coleman, A.D. <laughs> Mitchell, Lad McConkey, Blake Corum, Michael Penix, Trey Benson, Jatavian Sanders, Will Shipley, Bucky Irving, Bo Nix, Jalen Polk. Anybody know if I'm getting the J on the Jalen part right? Go ahead and tell me in the comments. <laughs> Well, this you know we're, we're this is a process. I took Marshawn Lloyd to start okay. round three. Dave, who did you take with the second pick of round three?
3: I took Audric, and again, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing <laughs> the last name right. That's yeah. why I asked you. Estime, maybe I know that there's a, a tilde on the, on the e. Yeah. Um, physical running back uh, can break tackles. Seems like the type of guy that could be a lead running downs back in the NFL.
2: Matt is officially going to be called Adam Azer for the rest of the show because he doesn't have the answers. He asked us a trivia question when he didn't have the answers, and that's a very Azer thing to do. (laughs) Dan, you took Malachi Corley with your third-round pick. Is this somebody you're comfortable taking in round two? Do you feel like you got a bargain here, or we're just throwing darts now?
4: In a, in a in a draft this loaded with wide receivers, I wouldn't take him in round two, but I'm very excited to get a talent like this in round three of a rookie draft. In most classes, I don't think you're going to get a talent like this. Now, it's always tough to tell when you're watching. Like, And I've watched a little bit of Corley, and I've, I've looked into him. When you're watching any Western Kentucky film, because I remember there was a receiver I'm not blanking on, who I'm now blanking on a couple years ago out of Western Kentucky. I think he went to the Seahawks or the Rams. I think he went to the Seahawks. Um, I'm now blanking on his name. Uh, this is so bad. Who was the receiver? Uh, two years ago, they took in the second round, and I love this tape out of Western Kentucky. Um, do either of you know? It's not. It's not. Um Damn, who is this? I don't know, but I do know the answer to the trivia question okay. now. It is George I got to get the receiver the Seahawks drafted. George, maybe
2: it's one of these guys. George Pickens, Van no. Jefferson, Kelvin Benjamin, <laughs> DGB, Doriel Green Beckham, and mm-hmm. Mecole Hardman. Those are your five wide receivers with three or fewer 100-yard games in college who also were drafted in round one or round two. We don't know
4: yet that A.D. Mitchell is going to be drafted in round one or round two, though, although he probably will be. But one more thing, just on I'm watching Corley. He's just such a physical and explosive player. And yes, yeah. playing at that level, it's hard to judge if he, how it's going to translate to versus NFL talent. And he does have some drops that you like have you concerned. But I just like getting an explosive, big, physical receiver like Corley there, who has a chance to potentially be that next level play, uh, somebody who can translate to the NFL level. We've got Jalen Wright going with the first, the fourth pick in the third round. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to
2: look at him much at all. I know I was looking over the football guy's rookie draft guide, and they had Jalen Wright at the one-two turn. So, again, it just goes to show you what a wide range of opinions there are on this running back class. And that's partially because there's not a guy who's the clear number one, Dave, but it also seems like it's because there's like seven or eight guys who might be pretty close to the top tier.
3: We're talking about which position? Running back. Yeah, I th- I think that's really what it comes down to. And it's it's going to be another thing in the NFL for the draft where it's beauty is in the eye of the beholder and which running back fits the system best, which running back is, is best at making one cut and going and running in zone, which running backs are better at just working behind their blockers and being powerful after contact. That's somebody like estimate. I think that it's it's going to come down to that. It's going to come down to fit and how these coaching staffs view these prospects and how they fit into their offenses. And so it's it's not like there's one, again, there isn't one running back that can do everything and can fit into every offense, okay? You could say that about Bijan. I think he could have ended up saying that about Gibbs, but I don't think there's one guy in this draft that I've seen so far that uh, that can do that.
4: Just to chime in real quick, the reason none of us could get that answer I was trying to figure out right is because he did not play at Western Kentucky. It was Western Michigan, and it was Dwayne Eskridge, but yeah, the, the point Esk- remains. I was going to say that,
3: but <laughs> Dwayne didn't play it.
4: I know. <laughs> it was Western Michigan. The point remains, though, when you're watching guys at that level, sometimes it's tough because Eskridge his film looked unbelievable at Western yeah, Michigan. Yeah, he just couldn't,
3: so. he couldn't turn over. I felt like he was too small.
2: Probably didn't look too small playing against that level of competition, exactly. though.
3: Dan, and, Dan, the next pick,
2: and I i, I would, would, wouldn't mind spending some time on this one, Roman Wilson. Another yeah. guy who it seems like there's a wide range of, of opinions on. Um, mm-hmm. I saw somebody the other day had him mocked at the end of the first round of the Chiefs. You've seen him mocked in the third round. He goes he here in the third round of a rookie draft, but he, he does seem like a player who uh, landing spots going to
4: matter a lot when it comes to how he's valued. It is. And it's funny. He has some similarities, similarities to a player who broke out the NFL level after not really being productive at the college level, played at the same school, played really well, uh, dominated senior bowl. And why does it matter that he played the same school? Well, he played at a school, Michigan, obviously that, you know, really in my mind, at least if you are a dom, if you can be a dominant wide receiver from a statistical standpoint at the NFL level, you may not see that if you play at Michigan, because that offense is just so run heavy. And that was uh, Nico Collins from a couple of years ago. And, Collins was amazing at the senior bowl. Now Collins is a different receiver. He's a longer receiver. He has the size advantage, but Roman Wilson looked awesome at the senior bowl. So yes. it doesn't surprise me that he's moving up the boards. I've seen some people compare him to like Jaden Reed at uh, a Michigan state. And I can kind of see that though. I think he's a little bit more of a, he's a little bit better of an athlete, maybe not as good a route runner, maybe not as deceptive. Um, and I'm, sh- I'm sure a lot of why Jaden Reed works at the NFL level is because of his deception as a route runner, which is also why I love guys like Ricky Purcell and McConkie in this class. But I'm not surprised to hear Wilson moving up the board. He was
3: awesome at the senior bowl. He made multiple highlight reel catches in practice each of the first two days and then got out of town. He made his impact, his route running. I mean, I talked about McConkey's route running, and that was good. Wilson's was better. He worked further downfield. He could definitely get away from coverage, and he was just making all kinds of highlight reel catches. So whatever you didn't see enough of from him at Michigan – you saw plenty of it in Mobile, right. soft-spoken, mm-hmm. down-to-earth, cool kid. Um, uh, we, we talked about just like the technique of getting flat when you're running a dig, right? You know, when you're turning 90 degrees. He's, he's absolutely a junkie for football. A little lean, a little smaller than you'd like, but I think he could have – and this is going to sound so lofty, so I, I hesitate a little bit, and they're not the same size. He could have a Puka Nakua type of effect. If he gets to the right team in the right spot where he's on the field right away, because his route running, the way that he can separate and the way that he's got good enough speed to separate can keep him on the field getting targets potentially from the jump. I really love the talent.
2: Now, Dave, you mentioned the senior bowl and you mentioned earlier, like the age on a couple of these guys
3: felt like last
2: year we kind of gave people a free pass on being older because they'd come through the COVID Year And some of these guys did too. Some of these guys were around for two or three years before COVID. It seems like they're so old. There's a much wider range this year, though, because we got back to having some 20 year olds in the draft class. We've got some guys that won't turn 21 until after the NFL draft. Historically speaking, you get those early those guys that come out early and have been elite producers. Those are the guys you want to target in rookie drafts. Are you still giving a bit of a free pass for these guys who are fourth, fifth, sixth year seniors or do you and and one of the guy like the guy you took second is one of those guys, Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Or or do you really want to lean more towards the younger guys?
3: Yeah, it's going to be based on what position they play first and foremost because quarterbacks and wide receivers and tight ends too. Let's be fair; like I feel like they've got a little bit more longevity. They can play a little bit longer, and I think Daniels will have more than just a couple of years unless he absolutely sucks to be in the NFL and to be a starter in the league. I'm I'm in love with the talent. I think he's great. It's a little bit of a different story with the older quarterbacks who weren't taken at the top of this draft. And we talked about it with Bo Nix and Spencer Radler. I think this is where Michael Penix falls in. This is where Hendon Hooker fell in last yeah. year, too, because these are great talents. These guys can play, especially Penix. But if an injury holds them back or if they get drafted to a team where they're a backup to start, you know, when they become starters in the NFL, they might not be. 24, 25, in the case of Hennon Hooker as an example, I think he might not be 27 until the time he gets a chance. If he ever gets a chance, that makes drafting players like that a little bit risky. Same thing with the running backs. How often do you see a running back? Uh, My favorite running back at the Senior Bowl was Ray Davis from Kentucky. Awesome talent. Just awesome. He's physical. He can catch the football. He's tough. He's got some speed. Everything that you want, he'll be 25 before the end of this year. And he's about to be a rookie in the NFL. And so if he doesn't get his opportunity right away, I mean, how often do you see breakout second year, 26 year old running backs? You don't well, see it that often. So I'm not going to give a pass to the running backs. That's one of the reasons why Braylon Allen might be so intriguing is that right, he's be, when, when does he turn 21? I don't think he turns 21.
4: He was like 18 January 20, year, yeah. 2025.
3: Yeah. He's super young. So that's going to be something that is in his favor. Dynasty managers are going to lean into that When it comes to running backs and certainly other positions too. But I think it's going to be harder to trust those older running backs for sure.
2: Ray Davis was just taken with the last pick of our three round super flex rookie only draft. Let's break down the second half of round three. And here is where Heath is definitely going to struggle with some (laughs) names. Enjoy, laugh along with me. Xavier Leggett goes, then Devontae Walker, Spencer Rattler. I got that one right. Ricky Pearsall. Mm-hmm. Ben Sanat, 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 Jalen McMillian, yeah. and Ray Davis. Uh, Ray
3: Almost Davis. Everybody in this they round. I get
4: Ray Davis wrong. <laughs> uh,
2: are, again, I'll ask you, Dan, the same question that I asked when you when you made that pick at the start of round three.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Any any of these guys stand out of really good values? Any yeah. big time upside you see?
4: Yeah, I, I'll I'll go through them real quick, but. Xavier Leggett, is it Leggett or David? I've got it as Leggett. That's what I thought too. Xavier Leggett obviously stands out as big time upside. Isn't as big as people thought he might be, or as they listed him on the college site, but Mm -hmm. plays much bigger. Um, Spencer Rattler, Dave mentioned him, seems to have matured. And as far as arm talent goes, Spencer Rattler in this class has arguably top four arm talent alone. And he could really throw that football outside of structure, inside of structure. I'm really excited about his arm talent. Um, Ricky Purcell to me, look, he's not flashy, but you watch him on tape and you're like, this dude gets open. And then you also watch him on tape. You're like, holy crap. He just made an Odell Beckham, like catch away from his frame. I think it was like, uh, October when Thomas Schaefer, the producer of the show told me about him and I started watching him and I was like, Oh my God, this kid can play. Like he is reminds me of the type of player who immediately works at the NFL. Now there are variations of this type of player. Obviously there's Cooper cup. That's the high end of it. And then there's also like another player who I love the kid out of UCLA, who the Titans have, and I'm forgetting blanking on his name real quick. Na- Dave, give me this name real quick. I'm having a bad day with names. Um, Titan slot receiver who they drafted two years <laughs> ago at UCLA. Kyle Phillips. Uh, Phil Phillips, who I also thought would be an immediate hit at the NFL level, and it's taken him a little bit of time, and he may not hit. So there's the scale of that, and I don't know where Purcell will fit on that, but I like him a lot. But those are the ones that stand out to me, those three.
2: The first three picks, I like that. And Dave, I thought when you were talking <laughs> about the age, you like you you emphasize one part of it that's really important, and that is that how much, to, especially with the running backs, how many years do we have before they're falling apart? Um, but the, the other side of it is a guy who dominates college football at 23 years old or 22 years old is not as impressive because he's more of a full grown man than a guy who dominates at 20. Like these guys bodies are still yeah. changing and developing. And so if you, if you are able to do something as a 20 year old, it does project a little more upside than if you do it as a 22 or a 23 year old. Let's run through uh, each of our, our three teams here and see how we feel about them. Dave, you, you can go first.
3: I took Jaden Daniels at one Oh two. Love that pick, especially in a super flex. I, I would assume that if this were a 1QB mock, Marvin Harrison would have gone first, and then I would have taken Neighbors second. So as much as I love Jaden Daniels, I think that Neighbors, probably the pick that you'll see taken second overall in most of these rookie-only drafts. You might see Brock Bowers there if somebody needs a tight end. That's just how it goes. Keon Coleman was my second-round pick. Um, Okay with that pick. Certainly physical, outside type of wide receiver. Big size. It's hard to find those guys. And then Audrick Estime. Again, if I'm pronouncing that right. If not, someone's going to correct me. Might be Audric himself. Um, physical running back. Guy who could play as a 1A type running downs back in the NFL, potentially as soon as week one.
2: You think, Dave, because um, I look at this here, it looks like Coleman went after after two running backs in this draft. As of right now, I assume you prefer Coleman to all of the running backs. But once we get landing spots, you think being in that RB3 range is probably about right for him?
3: Um, yeah, probably. I I, I would imagine that the more running backs will go ahead of him. I like taking Coleman here just because it, it just, it feels safer to take a wide receiver at this juncture.
2: Right. Okay, Dan. So, uh, break your team down next.
4: Yeah. So Drake may, uh, would be my third quarterback in, in, in fantasy. So I didn't get my, any of my top two here, but what I like about Drake may is he led, college football over the last few years and big time throws. So he is somebody who's willing to and looks downfield. I think the one thing I loved about watching his tape is just, and he's a raw prospect to some, and I, I can understand that. There are some ball placement issues. There's some mechanics, mechanics issues, and there's some issues under pressure where he'll escape the pocket early. These are things that are going to have to be fixed with the right coaching, but things he can't teach with Drake May or his, his, the way he sees the field post snap his ability to process space and understand where there's going to be big play opportunities down the field. And that's why he led all college football in big time throws. He also has a lot better athleticism and frame than people realize. So I could see him being a red zone option as a touchdown guy, not Josh Allen, not Jalen hurts. We're not talking double digit rushing touchdowns, but something like three to five a year, three to six a year. I can see, and that just adds value to him. So I like that pick Ad Mitchell. We discussed, yes, working against him is is the stat that was brought up earlier though. I did see George Pickens in there and I just like to draft on potential. And I think that when you're that size and you're that smooth of, 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 a, of a route run, I wouldn't even call him route runner, just that smooth getting in and out of his brakes at that size. It gives you a lot of potential at the next level because that's what the NFL is looking for, mismatches. And they're looking for guys who can beat NFL-level corners, not guys who can beat college-level corners. And finally, Corley, he has to be a slot for me uh, to to really reach a ceiling. But if he is one of those big slots, he can be like a very, very intriguing big slot. He has a lot of upside, uh, more so than I thought anyone left on the board. So I went for kind of two upside picks in rounds two and three, which I'm personally fine with because that's what I like to swing for. And then in round one, we, we go with the quarterback. I
2: really hate how on brand my draft is because it's great, great class wide receivers. So I didn't get any of them. Uh, Caleb Williams was my first pick at 101. I I think he's a top 10 quarterback at the very least as soon as he moves into my dynasty rankings. And he has an immense amount of upside. Let's just hope he ends up in the right situation. Uh, Jonathan Brooks was my second round pick. He is my favorite running back in this class. Just know that he is coming off of a torn ACL, so he might not be exactly himself. Now, it happened in November, so there's a very good chance that he's ready for the start of the season, expected to be cleared at the start of training camp. We saw two examples in the past calendar year of running backs coming off of ACLs. Javante Williams never quite looked like himself. Brees Hall turned back into the best running back in football around week five. So Mm -hmm. Brooks could be the best running back of this class by October again. Wouldn't be that surprising. And then Marshawn Lloyd, another running back He's got some injury concerns, some knee concerns as well. But I do think that, again, a guy, if he goes at late round two, early round three, we'll see him in round two of rookie-only drafts. I like it. Could be. Dave, Dan, thank you guys for being here for our first rookie-only mock. Definitely not our last, definitely not the last time that we will have you guys here on Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. Thank you for everybody who followed along and participated in the chat. I normally at this point say we'll talk to you next Tuesday. We're actually going to talk to you on Friday, though. We have Garrett Price from Dynasty Nerds coming on Friday, and we will unveil our top 12 rookie rankings.
4: And one shameless plug real quick before we get out of here, Heath. For those of you who are avid readers of the site, something that will be live a little bit later today is Dave... Jaden Daniels profile. So obviously, for those who know, Dave and I work on a lot of rookie profiles. We do fantasy football fits, dynasty, spin, and then scouting reports. And it's a little early right now in February. Dave's getting these done a lot earlier, and I got to get my stuff together. I got to get going. But so we'll rerun them throughout the year. But if you're if you're that type of person, you want that content early, go check it out. He's already done two profiles. So we've
3: we've got Daniels, we've got Caleb Williams, and we've got Michael Penn. And we've got stuff from the senior bowl. So plenty to go around.
2: Lots of Prospect coverage. Stay
3: tuned.
2: You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition.